0: gets numbers i am your host ryan blackburn at nba blackburn on twitter it is wednesday morning as we are in the thick of the offseason right now it is it is we are getting deep into the weeds there is not a lot to talk about so much so that i think i'm going to start talking to my guest about christmas games if possible just to just to kind of pass the time but anyway i want to introduce my guest very special guest returning back to Nuggets Numbers after a little bit of a hiatus. He's been taking a little bit of a break from from blogging, and is, it's going to be interesting to see how that unfolds. But it's Zach Mikosh, at Zach Mikosh. Zach, how are you doing, man?
1: I am, uh, I am doing well, Ryan. Uh, thank you for having me on. I'm always happy to be on Nuggets Numbers, hiatus, retirement, whatever or no. Uh, happy to always be a guest here with you, sir.
0: Has the NBA offseason hit you as hard as it has hit me? Because yeah. even like you're you're not writing as much. I know I've been I've been trying to put out as much content on Stiffs as possible lately. But for somebody who's kind of been out of the game for a little bit, what has it been like? Like I know you've been keeping busy for sure, but. It's, uh, it's been,
1: it's been good, man. I, um, yeah, I, uh, I have, it hasn't hit me as hard as it's hit you, no doubt, because you've been writing a ton and I have been writing absolutely not at all. (laughs) Uh, and just, you know, it's been fun though. Like just kind of sitting back and just kind of watching it all unfold this, this off season, especially what an off season to take off, I guess. Um, but it, uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm really intrigued obviously by, by this, this upcoming season. I don't think we've seen, I don't think we've seen this level of uncertainty like like if i'm going to ask you right now who's going to win the nba championship in the 2019-2020 season you probably have an idea right you might say the clippers you might say uh i'm trying to think who else you might say that seems like the obvious choice but it's really not i guess is what the point i'm making is you know i mean milwaukee's pretty good denver right uh houston we'll see what that's going to be all about you have the lakers and, and what can they do with their new power uh power duo it's it's exciting to go into a season where where it's not just like yeah it's going to be the Warriors versus the Calves, uh, or the Warriors versus somebody out of the East. And we we haven't seen that for uh, for at least what was it four or five seasons, and then before that it was yep, yeah, it's going to be the Heat and somebody out of the West. So I mean it, it this is the first season in a long time. Where we're we're really going in and, and there's a ton of a ton of unknowns and, and that's gonna be exciting to figure out what happens.
0: I am excited too. Being able to make the case for eight to ten teams across the entire NBA landscape is is probably not unheard of, but it's certainly unheard right. of for this time. Uh, given the big three era that we've been going through, starting with the Boston Celtics and their con their congruence of all their star talent. And then you've got the Miami heat who came together to form the heatles. Uh, The warriors came together. You had the spurs throughout Uh, all of these teams have just had a massive amount of talent at the top and then have just kind of filled in the gaps where they can. Now I think it's going to be even more matchup based and just really depending on the teams that you face in the playoff picture, you're going to have to battle anybody no matter what like the nuggets could conceivably face the utah jazz in the first round then the houston rockets in the second round and the los angeles clippers or lakers in the western conference finals on their way to trying to win a title and 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 get to the finals and so all of those teams present their own unique problems and own unique issues it's it's very interesting to see the way the league has changed over the course of these last few months, and you're right, being able to kind of not have to cover it and and kind of sit back and watch from afar. I'm pretty sure that's given you a little bit of a perspective on, on just how much writing has it been involved over this past off season.
1: <laughs> right, right, yeah. It's you know one of the one of the toughest things right about this gig is is there is no off season. Like it doesn't you know, the Nuggets they they stop. Playing basketball when May and June, whenever, and you kind of dive right. Okay, now we're gonna do draft coverage, and then now we're gonna do free agency coverage, and then finally you hit August, where we're at right now, and it's like uh, a month and a half till media day, and like the draft and free agency is wrapped up. I mean, rosters are fairly filled out. Summer league is over. What do we talk about? But you gotta find something because this the, the the gig keeps on going no matter what so yeah it is it has been refreshing uh to say the least to to get a chance to take a breather you know from all of it
0: well we're not going to talk about player rankings quite yet that's the next stage of the deep off season but i do want to talk about something that hit espn's first take over the last week uh carmelo anthony carmelo anthony has been in the news for his comments about feeling like he's being uh hit by the media in a, in a light where he's being prevented from getting an NBA job. He believes that he's better than a lot of the players that are currently in the NBA. And a lot of the teams are just staying away from him. And, and one can take that one way one, like maybe he is being prevented from being back into the NBA, or maybe he's just not good enough to be back in the NBA. So I just, I wanted to get your take, um, he said it feels like the media narrative is keeping him out of the NBA right now, uh, but he hasn't made a lot of friends in the media over the last couple of years, correct? Yeah, I mean,
1: I I don't know that, that Carmelo's ever made a ton of friends in the media um, ever. He's I I can't say that he's ever been bad to the media. You know, I, and I obviously I was not on the beat um, during his tenure with the Nuggets. But, but, you know, he's never... It's not even that he does... I, I think it's more about perception. He He's one of those guys who has just really not done a great job of handling his public perception. Which is kind of funny because he was pretty well invested in that aspect of his career. But for whatever reason, you know, I think... Uh, he went to new york and that kind of that kind of spurned the the small market teams right because of the way he left denver it certainly spurned a ton of people the most people here um in the city of denver itself right. then he goes to new york which is a terribly tough place to play unless you're successful and they don't have a ton of success make a couple of playoffs right don't don't do much and, and then after that, so now he's, he's get, now he's got that reputation now this is a guy who, who can't win. This is a guy who's just a stat stuffer. This is a guy who's all about himself. Look, he left Denver to go to the big market and to, you know, to build his image. And now he comes here and he doesn't really care about winning rings because he's not winning rings. Uh, he's, but he cares about getting his stats and, and being an all-star and all that. You know, I, and some of that reputation is probably deserved. But at the same time, I think it's it's just it, the perception um, has really not worked in his favor to the point now where where you know the casual fans look at Carmelo Anthony and think this guy is you know this guy is done he's washed and he was never that good to begin with. Where uh, whereas right. I think like personally I, myself I think yeah I, I think there's certainly a spot for Carmelo Anthony in, in the NBA I think he's got. Uh, enough talent to still play and and if he if he is true about what he said in this Uh, you know in this interview with Stephen A. Smith particularly about being willing to be a role player about you know he talked about being in Houston and he got he got put on the bench and at first that was tough but he was he accepted it I mean if he's true about those things and true about just wanting to win and be a part of a team then yeah absolutely and Carmelo Anthony is still a really good shooter and and, and a very talented enough offensive player to be to be a rotation player on a team somewhere in the NBA. So it's a mixture of things, I guess, is, is, is the best way to put it. You know, I, I, there is that perception thing, but there is uh, on some level you've got to find the right fit for him and he's got to be willing to do it.
0: I'm not quite sure his attitude has changed as much as he's, he's trying to put out there as much as he's, he wants everybody to believe. And, and, and I think I can, speak to that and just when when he was on the bench in or when he was with okc he was asked by the media at media day the first year that he was there the only year that he was there whether he would be willing to come off the bench and he famously said who me when when asked about that and so that was a team that jeremy grant was on and i think jeremy grant is is a very talented player who fits extremely well with the current core that they had but unfortunately, he, he wasn't like that's the exact kind of player that Mello thinks he's better than because he has more talent. He's got more scoring ability at this point, though, that the NBA has evolved so much that the teams don't want ISO Melo anymore. They want right. spot up and creator Mello, the guy who right. can who can hit the open jumpers when he has them, who can let other people create for them for themselves but then when he gets the ball to be able to create for others in addition to creating for himself and I just I don't know if he has that particular skill set or that particular willingness to to be able yeah. to compete at the highest level because when you talk about mellow you're talking about okay he probably needs to be to be a stretch four in the NBA and to shoot yep, 37 38 percent from three on, on catch yep. and shoot attempts and yep. he has to be willing to defend his position and can he do all of those things? I think maybe he can, but I I don't know if he wants to put in the effort to, to do those things and to be the dirty work guy that he needs to be, like almost a PJ Tucker type at this point to to make sure that he uh, to stay on the court and be impactful at the highest level.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's got to be he's got to be happy with. Uh, 6.6 rebounds like that's got to be a good line for him uh, on most nights because uh, you're right he is he is absolutely not like a small forward uh, in the NBA anymore he's right. uh, Carmelo I think he's got to be th- what, uh, like 35 years old so he's I mean he he's not going to have that lateral quickness to keep up uh, with the with the Kevin Durant. even 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 the older guys like the LeBron Jamesers or you know He's he, about
0: he's about the same size as a Paul Millsap right now maybe a right. little bit less strong but like that's the same yeah. sort of body type that he's projecting out there and Paul Millsap doesn't play the 3 at all. Right yeah exactly it it would be
1: it would be a really uh, it had to be a really special scenario for him to for him to play that role anymore so he's got to be you're absolutely right he's got to be like he's got to look at like a, like a guy like Ryan Anderson and be like that's my game now you know that's 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 what I'm gonna do uh, or or try and be a PJ Tucker like you said I just don't think I I don't ever see him having that kind of defensive intensity and doing that dirty work like you were talking about but I still think even if he doesn't do that there's there's a spot for him in the league as a stretch for who who gets some rebounds for you and like you said creates Melos. Melos is a pretty decent passer when he wants to be you know we I I've, you've seen it in the past he can create for others because he'll draw a certain amount of tension even at this point in in his career he if you're not gonna leave that guy wide open for a jumper because you know there's a good chance that he could still hit it for you especially if he gets his confidence up and is playing well so he he's got the, the ability to have gravity on the court and then he's got the ability to make the right passes when he wants to but uh, that's the that's got to be the question and, and he says he does but I mean I think we all have to see it on the court and then the problem is going to be who's going to give him who's willing to take that chance who's going to have that special need of that off the bench offensive stretch four guy that you're all going to want to fill with Carmelo Anthony you know that's uh, that's a lot of risk he doesn't put in a ton of butts in the seats I would think anymore so it, it I just I, I, I think he's he's gotta find a perfect scenario to get back out in the NBA. But if he did, I think he could still certainly be a valuable piece to a team.
0: It's weird because Houston was actually a really good situation for him where Chris Paul and James Harden were going to create shots for everybody. He was going to operate right. as kind of a tertiary creator where he's mostly getting spot up opportunities, mostly getting points created for him, but as long as he fit within that construct, he was he would have been capable of doing so. And I think the the lack of defense, the lack of athleticism that he had out there. A team like Houston wants to be able to switch screens rather than having to fight through them and then exert a ton of effort. Uh he has to have the mobility and the athleticism to to stick with other teams and, and to stick with the opposing ball handler at times and at least make things just ten percent more difficult for the opposing player. I'm not sure he has that and I I think that while most teams can have a spot for him in the regular season and have the insulation to be able to play him off the bench or or I mean not as a starter probably, but but as a bench stretch for I think that that makes a lot of sense for a lot of teams. Like even even in Denver, last year Denver had a a real dearth of stretch four options behind Paul Millsap to the point where right. they were using Tory Craig as the backup stretch four with Watcherhern Hernan Gomez being injured, Trey Lyles coming back from injury and being ineffective, Tyler Lydon not really doing much of anything. Like they had an opportunity and and probably could have used somebody like that if he was willing to do so. But I just don't know if if he has the capability or willingness to adjust to that and put forth the defensive stuff. so the nuggets have an open roster spot right now they have yet to sign bull bull to his nba contract actually let me get your let me get your quick opinion on that really quickly what's going on with bull bull he was drafted and the nuggets traded for him uh are they are they going to sign him to a contract what's going on there
1: Right, you would assume, especially because the Nuggets gave up cash. They never give up cash for anything, they always are the ones right. getting the cash. So, uh, yeah, you would assume you're not going to make that type of investment to not bring the guy on. And because there is a health issue, you would assume it's similar to Jerry Vanderbilt as last year, right? That they would want him to be working with their medical staff, their training staff in their building day in and day out not on a G League team and then bringing him up and counting how many days he is and or circumventing that rule however these always I hope man that is the dumbest rule in the world this whole two-way thing but that's not what we're here to talk about um, <laughs> you know so it seems unlikely that they would bring Bol Bol in on a two-way contract right that you would think they would put him in on that last one so what's up with it I don't know I mean you know we obviously heard the, there were some questions about work ethic um, and, and desire so uh, maybe that's it maybe they want to get him into camp see how he you know how he approaches camp just to make sure yeah this guy is all in and then um you know and then and then send contract i still expect him to give him uh you know to, he they're not going to just cut him cut bait with bowl, bowl. they're gonna they're, he's gonna be on this roster one way or another
0: yeah it's, it seems to me like that's that's the way that they're probably going i i but until they do it, I I think that there's at least an open question there, and and we've been talking about Mello for a while, and whether he needs a, a roster spot and whether he deserves a roster spot. Uh, he used to play for the Nuggets. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, yeah. Mello reunion tour question mark.
1: Uh, man, there's uh, there it's it's funny. There'd be like one section of the city that would be like really excited about it, and then there'd be one section of the city that'd be like, "Yeah, have their pitchforks and torches out, right?" Because (laughs) this is like this is Carmelo Anthony, they're the scorned lover. Um, Look, I I think if you you put aside, you could put aside the whole the history. Uh, with Melo. You could put aside any discussion about him being a locker room cancer or a me guy or him being all about his brain. You could put all that stuff aside uh, and just talk about his, his skill set and, and the nuggets and, it, and it's 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 hard to see him wanting to be here because you know he's he said yeah I will take a, a lesser role I will be a team player I don't know that a team player is fulfilling the Mike Miller Richard Jefferson type role of uh, the Udonis Haslam role in my for the Miami Heat uh, here with the Denver Nuggets because that the Nuggets have they have Paul Millsap they have Jeremy Grant they have. Uh, Juancho Herning Gomez. They have now. They've brought over Vlaco Chanchar. These are these are four guys who play the exact same position as as Melo. So I, I, he's not going to be. ahead. I don't see any. him. I mean, maybe Vlaco. He'd probably be ahead of that guy on the on the depth chart. But are you putting him ahead of Juancho on the depth chart? Why? Like, why would you? Uh, why would you do that when you would? You're certainly not putting him ahead of uh, Jeremy Grant or, or Paul Millsap. So he's, you know, the, at best he's just holding back a guy. You figuring out whether or not Wancho's a guy you want to give another contract to, a second contract to. And he's also standing in front of a guy like Locko Chanchar who you just brought over. You spent a second round pick on. You've got you think highly of. You know he's he's not going to get any any time in on the on the court probably without Melo here. So if you have Melo here, that's just one more layer he's got to get past. It doesn't – it just doesn't – the fit does not make sense uh, here in Denver. So, so no, I would not uh, bring him back for a reunion tour.
0: Yeah, I'd have to agree. The way that he's talking, the way that he he, he wants to continue to prove himself in the NBA and wants to contribute to a situation, I, I don't see him wanting that Mike Miller role, as you said. Right. It's, it's one of the things where – I think it would be seen as a major step down for him. And and even though I think the Nuggets could actually offer him a fair amount of money, I don't, we don't know the details, the particulars on Vlack Chanchar's contract yet, but they should have at least most of their mid-level exception, if not all of it, if they wanted to throw that at him. They would go over the luxury tax to do so, so maybe that's not as appealing for the 15th man on the, on the roster. But... If it was a question of money, then the Nuggets could definitely offer something like that, uh, but right now it's a question of time. It's a question of whether the fit is right, and the Nuggets have some smaller options at forward that they that they would like to rely on, and Will Barton and Torrey Craig and Malik Beasley playing down at the three— and then they have bigger options that are all like size to Melo that, that probably fit a little bit better with what Denver needs. And Michael Porter Jr. needs time. Wancho Hernan Gomez can space the floor. We, we were talking about him, or Melo, filling the Ryan Anderson archetype, like ar- archetype. Wancho fits that pretty well to a T, and he right. already has chemistry and, with Nikola Jokic. And he's like um, 11
1: years younger. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, Paul Millsap is already starting. Jeremy Grant, I think, is certainly better than Melo at this point, and if that wasn't already proven with OKC a couple of years ago, uh, Jared Vanderbilt is extremely young and needs time to develop. Uh, Melo needs time to establish himself. I don't think both of those things can happen. And then Flacco Chanchar. Like, that's a guy who the Nuggets brought over for a reason. They think that he could contribute, and I think that there's at least a possibility that he could contribute at the same level that Melo would. So on one hand, there's just not enough time. Denver has to continue to be thinking forward with how they build their rotations and with as as expensive as some of their guys are getting, having guys on rookie scale contracts is really important. And and they've got a bunch of those guys and getting rid of one of those players to insert Carmelo Anthony just seems like a bad idea to me.
1: Yeah, no, I, um, like, I mean, we're, we're definitely in, in, in total agreement, uh, on the Mellow thing, which is it's an obvious answer, right? Like, it, no, I, I and I don't, <laughs> I don't want to give the I don't want to give these guys guys exposure because that's exactly what they're trying to do. But you know, there obviously there was a, a a very large outlet here in Denver that wrote about how the Nuggets should bring back mel and, and they the the thing I remember is they wrote that because it's it's a dumb idea, and they know that, and that's what the engagement they want to get. So like nobody nobody is is thinking yeah the Nuggets should bring back mel I mean it just. It, it it just is so painfully obvious that that is um, not the right move for, I'm for gonna, Denver to go. I'm
0: gonna bite my tongue on that one for sure. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Okay. Wait. Well, so let's...
1: real quick though, I do I do have some numbers on uh, on Nuggets numbers for you um, hmm. because we do know Black Coach char's deal uh, now because you were able, they were able to Bobby Marks tweeted out that the Nuggets were now nine hundred and seventy nine thousand dollars below the text so shout out to bobby marks and then shout out to earlybirdrights.com um and jeff siegel i used to try and think i could be a cap guy and i like, tried to figure it all out myself and then i just realized i could just go to uh early and it is the
0: it is the best site for anything financially related you want to learn about the nba right. i have been like i'm gonna pull it up right now just to be able to read what what zach is writing or right. talking about
1: right uh and so like yeah that's i knew i once i saw bobby uh had tweeted that out i was like ah oh, well Jeff's definitely done the math here to figure this out. So Blacko is uh, he's eight hundred ninety-eight thousand three hundred ten bucks. Uh, good walking around money uh, for this season. Next season, one point five million, and then a team option um, on the third year at one point seven million. So he uh, essentially, it's pretty close to like a rookie minimum, right? Basically, is what he's um, what he's getting. So uh, to bring it back to the kind of bring the whole conversation to that last roster spot. Um, you cannot sign Carmelo Anthony um, for that amount of money. The veteran minimum is something like 2.5 million, um, and, and how it works, it only counts against your cap uh, for the the veteran minimum increases over uh, over years of service. So Carmelo would actually get a pretty high veteran minimum. Nuggets would only have the minimum veteran minimum if that makes sense. Whatever for like a guy who has like two years of service, uh,
0: hmm. that that's okay. the only thing
1: that would count against their cap. So. Even that amount is still going to push them into the luxury tax. They're not going to do that. They, for the nine hundred seventy-nine thousand dollars they have left, you can sign bowl bowl to that contract. That's what they're going to do. They're not going to go into the tax just to bring back Melo on a, even on a veteran minimum.
0: Yeah, it feels like they're probably going to give a similar contract that they just gave out to Vladko to Bowl Bowl. I think That's that, that think. based off of their based off of their draft spots, that probably makes the most sense. Okay, so that's that's good information right there. Good Nuggets number. Uh, let's move into the rotation a little bit. I want to play a really quick game with you before we go to another break. Uh, let's play this game. Stop me when you think Denver's rotation players stop and the true reserves begin that don't get off the bench during a game. All right. Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Paul Millsap, Will Barton, Jeremy Grant, Malik Beasley, Monte Morris, Mason Plumley, Michael Porter Jr., Torrey Craig. Stop.
1: It's yeah. It's it's right there. It's it, I almost want to say that I almost want to say stop. Um, a couple times like Malik Beasley. I don't know. I I think so. I think Malik shown enough, and we saw enough there in in the second half of that season that he is going to be uh a rotation player i really close. i don't michael porter jr i i that was my bias because i want him to be a part of this rotation i want to see michael porter jr I've been waiting so long and it's
0: like man i think I everybody I take, yeah right everybody exactly. wants to see him he's he's just this enigma that that people are talking about and referencing in terms of the talent level that just haven't been able to see on the on the scale of the court and in in a in a very tangible way so it's this mystery box and i think people are getting really excited about it and i hope he's really good he could very well be better than the than some of the starters that are currently on the team right now but i i wouldn't put too much right. stock into that just yet right so and, the, and
1: but the, and so that's the thing if michael porter junior is in the rotation. If he's getting minutes, then Torrey Craig is not. Like that's that that is your last guy in your rotation, is either if if, if MPJ is good to go and, and coach has the faith and the trust in him, he's gonna get minutes. If he's if he's not ready to go health wise, um. Whatever it is, faith, I- integration into the system, um, getting adjusted to playing. he hasn't played a basketball game in like four three years and he's now gonna be playing at the highest level uh, in the world. You know that could take some like whatever it is if there's something there that's not having makes coach not feel comfortable with him in the lineup, then then coach will go toward Craig. Um, but I can't it's just because what was that where was that? was that was that 10 players? Was, is Craig the tenth player on your list? uh that was 10 players
0: and Craig is the 11th Yeah player. exactly
1: so i mean an 11 man rotation like coach tried that uh what maybe 3 seasons ago maybe even his first season here and he he acknowledged that he's like i just i can't do it because guys have too much of a hard time getting into a rhythm it's too sporadic uh, with the minutes. It's too hard for people to figure out their roles. They're constantly changing, you know, every minute or so because the lineups are constantly changing. Uh it just didn't work. So I, I can't see him going deeper than ten uh, in his rotation, which means one of those two guys is not gonna get minutes.
0: The other guy I didn't mention was Wancho Hernan Gomez. Where's he where's he at right now? Right, that's a that's a tough thing as well because Wancho you know the problem with Wancho is he hasn't been healthy for two seasons, right? So
1: we we right. saw some great stuff his rookie year. I think he shot with like forty one percent from three over a decent sample size. So it was you you he's had some huge moments in some, against some of the the you know based opponents. He's had two huge moments uh, against the Warriors. One was an entire game where he just lit him up. So you you've seen the flashes there with Wancho, but he he's got to be healthy. And if he is. Somebody else probably is not right. There, there's gonna come time this season where people are going to get hurt. It just it just happens um, in every season, and so that's that's where Wancho is gonna have to find his uh, his opportunity and make the most of it because he there there's just too – I can't see. I mean, do you put him ahead of a Tory Craig or a Michael Porter Jr.? I can't see it if those guys uh, if those guys are doing doing what you hope from them because Michael Porter Jr. is is like Wancho Hernan Gomez on steroids, right? He's like everything Wancho is but more uh and more dynamic if he lives up to, you know, the the hype around him. Whereas Tory Craig is, is a safety blanket for coach, but also is is the probably the best wing defender on the Nuggets. I mean Jeremy Grant is I guess the only guy now in whether or not uh, how much time he'll actually spend defending out on the wings? Um, is, I, would, is a question. I would amend
0: that. I would amend that to big wing defender because I think that Gary Harris is the best perimeter defender on the team.
1: See, I would disagree. I would. I think Troy Craig is actually a better no. perimeter defender than Gary Harris. But they're yeah. close. I mean, they're they're right up. They're right there. But I. I because and a little bit is because Troy Craig's a bit bigger. But I don't think his his size l- makes him lose anything. Uh, compared, to, compared to Gary Harris, and neither one of them is perfect, right? I mean, neither one of them is a guy I would say is an all-defense uh, type player. They're just they're just not a sieve, which is what we've been so used to uh, out of the nuggets on the perimeter. <laughs> yeah.
0: the, uh, the the threshold for for calling you a good defender has been a little bit lower lately. So, right. okay, fair enough. Uh, of the three guys that weren't mentioned, Jared Vanderbilt, Vlako Chanchar, Bull Bull, which one, assuming perfect health for every health for everybody, which one is active during games, and which which of the two are inactive?
1: Hmm. Bull, Bull is definitely inactive, um, because uh, well, I guess if you say assuming health, th- that's hard to do with him because this year I think he they yeah he's gonna be uh, he he's gonna be inactive because even if he's fully healthy just like we saw with michael porter jr last year i don't think there's any plans to play him at all this season
0: yeah yeah and maybe maybe i maybe i misspoke maybe perfect health for the rest of the roster uh okay to the point to the point where there are 12 guys above them who are guaranteed to be active who is the 13th player
1: i mean you would assume it's vanderbilt right because if nothing else he's he's not a rookie um so that's uh, that, that works in his favor. And, and you would assume the natural progression for Vlatko right now, well, the natural progression, if you were anything but the Denver Nuggets or the Portland Trailblazers, would be that you would send him down to your G League team and have him develop there this season. But since you can't do that because you decided to buy a League of Legends team instead, uh, you're going to have to send him to some other team's, to, or other teams G League team, which is a little bit... A little bit tougher to do because you don't have as much control over his minutes, over his practice, coaching, so on. He's not on a two-way contract, so you don't you're not limited to those days down there. So, I I mean, you want him to get minutes, but I think he's still your your inactive guy because you know between him, um, him or Jared Vanderbilt, they're pretty similar again, similar positions. So you're gonna you're gonna not gain any extra depth. You know, it's not like he's a point guard, right? And you can gain that third point guard that you want to have suited up just in case you've already got like four or five other power forwards just to hang it around. So uh, I think Vlako is, is probably definitely the guy that you put, you, you scratch just because Vanderbilt, um, you know, he is a second year guy. So your, your clock is a little bit more accelerated on him.
0: I think I agree. Uh, And not to mention, I think it's better to have five bigs that are active rather than just four, Uh, You have Paul Millsap, Nikola Jokic, Mason Plumley, Jeremy Grant, and then having a fifth big that, just in case either of those guys gets hurt during a game, could then step into temporary minutes. So, uh, good stuff. Let's take a quick break. And on the other side, we're going to build out the rotation a little bit, discuss who we think the starters can and should be, and who the reserves can and should be. So, we'll be right back. We're back. Nuggets numbers. I'm with Zach Mikosh. Going to have a great time talking about the starting unit and then the rotation behind it. Uh, lots of interesting choices, I think. Uh, just just with the combinations that the Nuggets can generate and and how quality a lot of the options are. I, th- I think there's a lot of different ways you can go with building both the starters and the second unit. So let me ask you this: uh, Right now, if you if you had your choice, who would be Denver's starting five on opening night?
1: So four of them are really easy, right? You want you're gonna have. Well, I shouldn't say three of them are really easy. Nicole Jokic, uh, obvious. Jamal Murray, obvious. Gary Harris, obvious. Those three guys are are are. Definitely starters on your teams. You would next think Paul Millsap is fairly fairly obvious, and I and I would say you'd be foolish to assume he won't be the starter barring barring injury on uh, on. Correct on.
0: Correct on all fronts. There, I think. I don't think it's obvious that he's the best player. Right. However, I think it's obvious that he will be the starter. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Because
1: I think that there's a case to make that Jeremy Grant is actually um, a, a better fit, and, and potentially at this point in their career careers, a better player. It's not. It's not a knock really on Paul Millsap. Other than that, he's kind of getting along in the tooth. It's just that Jeremy Grant is really good, and he's a really good fit next to Nikola Jokic. So a better fit than Paul Millsap, even. Um, you. You. And, and he brings a lot of that defensive prowess as well. Well, you you hesitate to pull Millsap out of the starting lineup because he is your quarterback on defense. He is the one who runs that. What Nicola is to your offense, Millsap is to your defense. You you he runs the entire thing. The entire thing wrote it kind of revolves around him. Uh, so you you you. I wonder, I guess, if Grant can do that. If he could still fill that role, but I I I'd be. I think there's an argument certainly there to be made. the The main question, though, we're right, is Will Barton at that small forward position because. Uh, he got benched in in the playoffs uh after being a starter for, you know, the good last half of the season. He was he was obviously out pretty much the first half. Um and and he's he's certainly talented. You're paying him uh a lot of money, but you're also paying Mason Plumley a lot of money, so and he's coming off the bench. Right. It's a matter though of, of who, who you're gonna replace him with if you're not if it's not gonna be Will Barton. And, and your choices are Tory Craig and Michael Porter Jr. basically, and I don't, I don't think Michael Porter Jr. is going to be the starter out of the gate. I just don't think that's going to happen. Now, if it's my choice, then I would choose him if healthy and ready to go because and, and living up to all this hype that we're talking about. But but we don't know that and we have to see that yet. So uh, I'm hesitant to do that. So I would I you know honestly, even though I said this guy is not going to be in the rotation, uh, I would probably take Tory Craig uh, as my starting small forward because the Nuggets desperately need perimeter defense and and if you've got Craig and Harris next to each other out there you feel pretty good you feel like you can hide Jamal Murray uh pretty easily and and you've got you've got Millsap behind him your defense will be solid I think if you've got if you've got Will Barton out there you're starting to ask a lot because now you've got kind of him and Murray, they're both right. giving you some struggles. And and I don't think you necessarily miss his scoring that much on offense because he's clearly a better scorer uh, than Torrey Craig. But we did see Torrey Craig shoot the ball really well, uh, particularly from, from the perimeter at the end of last season and in the playoffs he had um, a couple of really right. nice moments as well. So he could be that classic 3 and D guy, which is Definitely what the Nuggets need out of a small forward if they're not going to get a mega superstar like you might get out of a Michael Porter Jr. You know, the next best thing is going to be a guy who fills, who shores up the defensive end more than the offensive end, and that would be Torrey Craig.
0: Yeah, so I I hear you on that. I think I would go with Murray, Harris, Barton, Millsap, Jokic. And the reason why I'm going back to Will Barton is to give him. A vote of confidence, say, "Hey, you're our guy right now. We we are not going to make uh, quick decisions on on who's the best fit in the rotation based off of an injured season that you had last year. We know that the playoffs didn't go well, but we believe in you. Not to mention, he's he's with the Nuggets for the next three years, two right. plus a player option. So I think if you're if you're the Nuggets, then the best thing to do is to probably make it work. If if you believe that he's going to be on the roster for the next three years." Uh, but like you said, there are options, and there are potentially better options depending on what you're searching for. I think, I think, in an ideal world, like you said, Michael Porter Jr. makes that leap immediately and is basically Otto Porter or Jason Tatum in his rookie season, or even a right. a low version Clay Thompson or something like that. Uh, all of those options would be stellar. I'm not sure if if it can be counted on, and, and that determination would be made in training camp in the preseason, depending on, on how good he is in comparison to the other pieces. So with Craig, I think it's really hit or miss. <coughs> Excuse me. It's really hit or miss because... At the beginning of the season, he was the one who replaced Will Barton, and it was really bad. It was oh, yeah. not a good lineup, and the data on that lineup was really bad because Craig could not shoot. Yeah. And the data on the lineup at the end of the year was much better because he could shoot. So you're really kind of a hit-or-miss lineup depending on whether Torrey Craig is going to be able to hit his open shots, and I'm not sure that he makes the impact on... Defensively, that a a typical three and D player can. I, I it, he's not going to obviously defend all of the best small forwards at, at a goodness. at a super high level. I think you you've got those LeBron Jameses and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard's and guys like that. Like I I don't think anybody can really do anything about that. And and I like we talked about. I don't think Tory Craig is that elite defender. So if he's only going to make a marginal impact on that, and it's really tied more to his shooting and his ability to space the floor offensively i think there's an argument to go with malik beasley or even watcher Hernan gomez and in, in some of those situations and we haven't even talked about those guys but i think that they have just as good of a claim as as any of the other options because of the way that they can change denver's unit offensively
1: right you know you bring up a great point because if tory's not hitting his threes you're absolutely right then he's He's really difficult to play, uh, in a lot of ways at, at all. But but certainly next to not, Paul Millsap and Nikola Jokic because the fact of the matter is, is is if you can get Paul Millsap and Nikola Jokic shooting threes, most teams are going to take that. They're gonna that's going to be uh, that's the best way that they're probably that's what they're going to have to settle for uh, right. on Nikola is is letting him shoot threes. That's you know and he might hit you or hurt you with those and he might have it going some nights and you're going to have to make an adjustment. But Overall, you're going to be happier letting him shoot three-pointers than than just dice you up inside from uh, from the post and, and playmaking from the elbow like he. Uh, like he's so good at Millsap obviously you definitely will take him shooting a three that's uh, that's not even though again he can do it it's not really his comfort zone so if you've got if you've got those two guys plus now you got Torrey Craig who's just not hitting his three threes other than I mean it it really stalls out the defense because they're they're gonna clog that lane they're not gonna keep those cutting lanes open um
0: not to allow to operate not to mention Jamal Murray for most of the first half of the year was not a good three-point shooter. He yep. he struggled through it again again to start the year and and you hope that he kind of breaks out of that this year and can start the season off hot, but this is 3 years in a row now that he's that he's started slow and and last year Gary Harris was a 33% shooter and he was a 35% shooter in the playoffs. I think that he's a better shooter than that, but it's at least possible that given the injuries that he sustained, that if he sustains another one, that the shooting just may never really come back in with any consistency. So you talk about having a couple of guards who aren't necessarily going to be elite shooters, or at least aren't guaranteed to be elite shooters, and then you add Tory Craig in there, you add Paul Millsap in there, who I think teams would take shooting the nuggets may struggle on on some nights with even with nikola jokic as a as an excellent focal point and creator to generate a 100 offensive rating which is just atrocious so i i struggle and hesitate to give that nod to him because i'm not sure i trust the jump shot if he proves to have that jump shot, then I will eat a lot of crow. And he proved it in the playoffs for sure, but I just, I'd just like to see it over a full season before prescribing Torrey Craig as an elite shooter. Oh, yeah,
1: no doubt. I mean, he's um, he's definitely not uh, been that yet in his career. I mean, like you said, we, we, we saw it, but you got to see it over uh a larger sample size than that and 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 that's a question i mean that's that's one of the big questions that they have going into this year uh, about that position is who can give them defense and not be uh just completely lost on offense or or the vice versa
0: so the next thing i want to talk about is the power forward position because i think as you mentioned earlier Paul Millsap is probably going to start. I don't think that there's any question in anybody's mind that Paul Millsap is going to start. I think there is more of a question that people want to admit about whether Paul Millsap should start. And the reason for that is this. The Nuggets core is under 25, pretty much across the board. Jeremy Grant is in the last year of his deal before becoming an unrestricted free agent, and he is 25, 26 years old right now, just about to enter his prime of his career. Right. Wouldn't you want to experiment with that lineup a little bit more just to make sure that, hey, this is a guy that we just traded a first-round pick for, so we clearly want him around. Wouldn't you want a large sample size to determine whether that's the best thing for the team? Oh, I I think so for sure, and, and I think... Uh, assuming Will Barton
1: is is going to be a, a starter, though I think Jeremy Grant is 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 definitely your first guy off the bench, right? I mean he's um, he's your sixth man, so I think you're going to get a lot of 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 that look, anyways, because I think one of the biggest uh, biggest advantages of having him is it means you don't have to play Paul Millsap nearly as many minutes and maybe you know they do work to a point where they're not necessarily uh even starting the game with Millsap anymore that they've got Grant in there and they're using him to get them energy right out of the gate and 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 get them uh you know get them an early advantage but I still think you you probably close with Millsap right And, and because you want that veteran savvy you want that overall um defensive ability that he has uh to kind of to kind of keep you keep you uh, right. in, in close games right because that and I don't necessarily know that you get that with Grant but you're absolutely right I mean they're 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 gonna want to see how this works because it, it would certainly appear that Grant is the the, the plan long term right yes he he uh, he has a player option next year and he's he's going to not take that because it's uh, he can get paid a lot more on the oh, yeah. open market he's gonna get paid
0: um, a ton of money. Right, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, well over double what he's making now, which is like nine point three uh, million, which is the same for his team option next year. Uh, so you would assume, with with Millsap's contract expiring after this year year as well, that you would be taking a lot of the Millsap money, giving it um, giving it to Grant. You you want to make sure that that investment uh, is is a good one. You don't want to just go in there blind. But I think they they'll find time for that, regardless of whether or not he starts, because I think. Wait, so that the, a big part of it is him taking away uh, from from the workload on Millsap and letting it, you know, like, who what is, what is Millsap? He's gonna be like three five, three six as well. So, yep. um, you know, you want you want you want to ease those miles off him. You want him to be still be fresh come April, come May when you really when you really are gonna need his defense, especially in the playoffs. So, uh, they'll they'll get the time. I don't necessarily know that it, that it means that Grant has to start though.
0: One of the reasons why I'm, I'm interested in it is just as, as, as complimentary forwards as they are, they're complimentary bigs to a guy like Nikola Jokic, who's a, a primary big, he's, he's the focal point. Uh, Millsap is a more traditional guy. Uh, he's better with the ball in his hands than Grant. he's a he's a creator of sorts, but he, and he's on defense, he's a more physical and traditional defender for sure. Right. Uh, somebody who could switch between fours and fives and or he'll occasionally switch onto the ball handler, but it's not like necessarily what he wants to do all the time. Uh, with Grant, you have a more small ball option. Uh, somebody who's got a smaller frame, but he's he's super agile, super fast in the open floor. Uh, he's a better shooter at least last year uh, he was more efficient at the rim this year and but the thing that i think people don't understand and appreciate is is the Moriball ball aspect of it where you you want on offense especially especially with your complementary players you want them to be taking the most valuable shots that they can get and 77 percent of grant's shots they came either at the rim or behind the arc, and that was about 20% more than what Millsap was doing on a consistent basis. He was somebody who was taking a couple more mid-range shots, and and when he was in the post, he was taking the shots that are just outside the restricted area. And those shots are less efficient, and especially within the flow of the offense, that's not really how... Uh, the great offenses are built. Like when, when you talk about the Warriors and the Rockets and the, and the Bucks, they're not focusing on on their second, third, fourth options. Aren't guys who are going to be posting up or taking mid Rangers. Uh, These are the guys that are either spacing the floor or crashing the rim. So I think that if Denver is looking to move towards their future a little bit more than testing out Grant as that guy next to Jokic really makes a lot of sense and I think that the numbers are probably going to bear that out especially this year Millsap's probably going to slow down just a touch even though that that unit is going to be extremely strong but with Grant with his ability to both play the dunker spot even play out to the three point line I think that there's a real chance that the numbers are going to say that Grant is the better option over Millsap and you, you definitely could be right because, like, like I, you know, I said this
1: earlier. Is that I, I'm not, I'm not even ruling out the possibility. In fact, I might even advocate that that he is in fact the better fit next to next to Nicole Jokic. Like you were saying, I mean, he he can do more for you, uh, particularly on offense than uh, then Millsap can in a Jokic system because, like you said, I mean Millsap's that the traditional guy. Where where does he create most of his points from the post back to the basket? You know, he's got great footwork. He's really good, good touch, uh, finishing around the hoop, and, and and has made an entire career uh, out of that and being an incredibly stingy defender. Grant Grant is a guy who's gonna be uh, much more likely to benefit. From cutting from the perimeter into the lane and being the recipient of either a lob or a bounce pass or some sort of you know some sort of pass from Jokic, he he's going to be a much better lob threat coming off of a pick and roll uh, scenario with Jokic, whereas Millsaps pretty limited in that scenario to to just kind of popping. Um, But Grant can pop as well, so yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot more versatility with him, and versatility plays into uh, what the Nuggets do around Jokic I mean it, it's pretty much everything uh in the in their offense because they have such a unique uh they have such a unique player in Jokic who out of the center position that the rest of their guys the more versatile they are the more they're able to do the better um but but uh, man Millsap is just he's that, that defensive side, I, I am concerned because I think I look at Jeremy Grant as is a good defender as well, but he's more of uh, I don't know I guess i say that he has got quite the the defensive IQ that Millsap has, and that just comes from Millsap being uh, you know a, a long in the tooth veteran who specialized in defense. Grant more of a guy to me who you put you can put out on a big. Small forward, if you need to, right? If you need to put a guy out on a Paul George, a LeBron James, a Kevin Durant when they're killing you, uh, or maybe you just decide to do that because you like the matchup. uh, Grant, that's something Grant can do that Millsap can't. He's going to be a better uh, rim protector and in weak side help defender uh, who will clean up mistakes that are made at the perimeter that way. Millsap cleans up some mistakes at the perimeter by getting his hands in there and, and, and stripping the ball or or getting a, a tie up or even sometimes just causing a foul, making the guy earn it from the foul line. Grant's going to be more of a guy who's going to just try to erase that at the rim. Both both good strategies, but, but they're different. And I think with Millsap, right. he, he gets more of a base, right? He's going to stay down there in that lane and kind of be able to just see everything happening, happening around him i don't know that you can do that with grant and so that's that's still what i come back to when it comes to to making grant the starter next to nicole and is he a better fit i gotta see what how how they look on defense with him in there instead of Millsap.
0: to close the show I want to talk about the rest of the rotation we've we've talked about the five starters that that we're envisioning uh you think that tory craig should be the guy i think that Will Barton should be the guy at small forward. Uh, I think we both agree that Paul Millsap is going to be the starter at power forward and and Jeremy Grant will be his direct backup. So that's that's six guys in the rotation for each of us. Uh right now would you would you consider a 10-man rotation as the ideal for you or would you go down to 9 or up to 11?
1: I I'm I'm usually a bigger fan of a 9-man rotation. I think that's uh, that's really kind of the sweet spot, and you're gonna because you're gonna probably get down to eight come playoff time. The Nuggets didn't; they, uh, they, they. I think they, they stuck at nine pretty much throughout the entire playoffs. Um, right. But it's it's it, it's hard again. Like I was talking about before, when you start getting past that to have. Uh, to, for guys to be able to find rhythm. But I do think you can go to 10. I think you you because it, it's kind of a classic and natural fit, right? You've got five starters, five backups. Uh, you can make a rotation work that way. And I think there's too much talent on this team, especially because they added Jeremy Grant without losing anything. And you think about the guys that they did lose in free agency. I mean, Tyler Lyton, Trey Lyles. Uh, Isaiah Thomas these these were not rotation players to begin with so they they added a piece who's clearly going to be a rotation player who we both agree is at minimum a sixth man for them now um I I, I it's hard for me to then say okay well we're only going to play three other guys when they're all four of the guys coming off the bench last year um are still going to earn minutes you know the guy you maybe look at dropping from that rotation is Mason Plumley, but he's he's your backup center. It's You've got to kind of have a backup center. And I don't know that Grant, you really want Grant to fill that role for you full time. So uh, I, I just right. don't see where you get below 10 um, without kind of hurting the team because you're leaving a really good player or really vital role on the bench.
0: I think if, if they were to go to a nine-man rotation, it would probably cut out all of the other small forward options outside of whoever they start. Uh, just right. because I think there's there's a there's an easy way to play a three guard lineup, and then Jeremy Grant could be the the potential guy to bounce up a up a position to play a small forward a little bit on occasion in the bigger lineups. But I, okay, so let's let's get into names real quick right now. So we've got Murray, Harris, Millsap, Jokic as the guaranteed starters right now. I have Barton as the starting small forward you have Craig we both have Jeremy Grant as the backup power forward who do you have as the backup guards uh
1: I think it's yeah I mean it's got to be Monty Morris and Malik Beasley right those are I don't think you're I mean who else even is guard on the team really it's I mean maybe Torrey Craig uh you you could get a backup too that's probably where he's best at but uh, you're not going to bench Malik Beasley for him so um it's it's got to be those two guys right
0: yeah I I would agree and I, I don't have a problem with it in my rotation, but I think you may come across an issue where you have to decide between Michael Porter Jr. and Will Barton in your rotation. Are you uh, are you picking one or the other of those guys?
1: Um, you know I'm I'm uh I'm not right now. I'm going to I'm going to just say it's going to work, and we can just have <laughs> Michael Porter Jr. be the backup small forward, and we'll figure something. But no, it's, I mean it is a uh it it is going to become an issue, and I think the the ideal uh scenario is is michael porter jr it becomes what you hope he is and he becomes your starting small forward uh and you kind of have to figure out and you have to make a decision between malik beasley whose contract is up after this season and, and will barton who signed for two more seasons after this um provided that he picks up his player option in his final year so you you that i think is your ideal scenario and and ideally you malik beasley Right, steps up to the plate, becomes the becomes the uh, scorer, wing scorer off the bench that, that Will Barton has f- fulfilled for so many years, and you find a trade partner uh, for Will Barton and, and you know take what you can get for him, hopefully a pick of some sort back, uh, and, and you move forward fully into your uh, future. That would be my ideal scenario for the rotation, and then um, you know you would you'd fill it out with obviously Mason Plumley and Jeremy Grant as your other two. Uh, Biggs off of the bench, but I just I, I'm trying to slow the hype on Michael Porter Jr. a little bit, just because I I, I you're putting him in the starting unit. Well, <laughs> I think he can be <laughs> that guy, I, but I'm just saying I that's what I'm saying. That's that's your ideal scenario, but I, I'm going to slow the roll on it right now and just say, you know, let's let's just well, let's ease him in. So maybe you know maybe he doesn't play a ton um, to start, but but I think uh, I think you can find a way to get him and Barton uh, both in there.
0: I think that Michael Porter Jr. is going to play. I also think that he's guaranteed to not start immediately right. other than like, like some supernova performance. Like, yeah, like
1: 30 yeah. points a game in preseason.
0: Yeah, and, and I, I think that that's very unlikely just kind of based off of the limited amount of time that we, that the media has been able to see him at scrimmages and whatnot. Like, I don't think he's ready to, to handle that kind of load. But right now I have uh, Barton as my starter. I would have Porter Jr. as my reserve small forward, and then Tory Craig, unfortunately, out of the picture. And and I think that the 10th or 11th man is probably best for Torrey Craig in a lot of these situations. Um, I think that he's a guy who... Is is kind of the last piece to a rotation where where you play him ten to fifteen minutes a game on most nights. You deploy him on the opposing team's ball handler, let him wreak havoc, and then hit the couple of shots that he needs to hit, and then just run the floor and and with the Nuggets, I think he can do that, especially if there's an injury on on a on a night or another. But if, if the Nuggets decide they want to start Wancho Hernan Gomez as, as a floor spacer, then that, that provides even more issues if, if they have Will Barton and, and Torrey Craig and Michael Porter Jr. all battling for one spot, assuming that Malik Beasley is locked down the two guards. So there are a lot of issues right now. And, and a lot of these are good issues to the point where you have a lot of options. But I am a little bit concerned that Denver's chemistry is going to be put to the test of this season. They are no longer a feel-good story. They didn't just rise from the playoffs to a two-seed. They now have expectations. Yep. A lot of guys want to get paid. A lot of guys need to get paid. Denver has a lot of guys who are who are not going to have contracts after this year, and, and Tory Craig is one of them. Malik yep. Beasley is one of them. I think that Malik Beasley would like to have an opportunity to start somewhere and be paid like a starter. Right. And I think that in this current climate, I think that that's very possible for him. So – can Denver afford him long-term? Can they afford Jeremy Grant if he gets beyond $15 million a year? Can they afford Tory Craig if he gets an offer somewhere? So they've, they've got a lot of questions. I think there's probably going to be a trade at some point. But until that point happens, I think uh, Nuggets fans are are going to start hearing that that a couple of people may be unhappy about the, the roles that they have. And, and that's just an unfortunate reality of being in a stacked rotation.
1: Yeah, I mean, it... Um... It's been the man. It seems like it's been the scenario for uh, forever. They're, the Brian Shaw years were pretty, pretty slim in terms of depth. But otherwise, <laughs> you know, whether it was whether it was the post mellow trade teams or now the, the Michael Malone era, I mean, the Nuggets have always felt like they're twelve, thirteen guys deep, and it's just it's just really hard to find uh, time for them all. But. We know that somebody, like, somebody's going to get hurt, right? Somebody always gets hurt. Uh, somebody ends up missing a good chunk, 15, 20, 30. You know, you hope not a whole season, but th- that does happen. And and we've seen guy. I mean, that's how Malik Beasley came to shine last year, right? It was because Will Barton got hurt. It, it, the, the guys will have their opportunities to step up. Some of them will seize them. Some of them won't. But it'll help the Nuggets figure out, Who's supposed to be here long term, and then who's not? And then when those guys come back from injury, that's really when you got to get the issue of, of of trying to figure out how to make it work. But as we kind of tend to see, somebody then will generally another injury will always fall. There's always usually one guy right who's who's out. So uh, the opportunities yeah. will be there, even though they're they're about like 13 players deep right now.
0: One thing that I neglected to mention: load management. That's a that's a big thing go. in the NBA right now. Like you might as well use it if you've got a rotation like this play Gary Harris 60 to 65 games and make sure that he's healthy. Give him give him the occasional maintenance day to make sure that he's healthy. Uh, right. Same thing with Jamal Murray. If you've got Monte Morris as a backup, as a, as a strong backup, mind you, if you've got a game against Cleveland that you don't really need to send out your A-team in order to win, then you might as well give him some opportunities. He just sprained his ankle in the trying to train for the FIBA World Cup. Like, right. let's let's try to avoid as many of those opportunities as we can Uh, to to sprain ankles and even if that means he plays only 70 games as opposed to 78 and he's a little bit less hobbled i think denver and and the nuggets have to come to grips with that that the playoffs are what you're playing for now you're not playing to get into the playoffs you're playing for beyond
1: right yeah exactly you are you are now here to uh, to win a championship that's what it is i mean there's the the nuggets are it's crazy to say because i don't know that there's I mean, not, uh, not certainly not since the Melo Chauncey era. Has there been a time when you've been like, okay, this team, the expectation should be to, if nothing else, to make the finals or like that should be the goal. Maybe not the expectation, but the goal should certainly be to make the finals. And if you make the finals, then you might as well win it. I don't think there's anybody in the East you look at and say there's no way the Nuggets could possibly beat that team in a seven-game series. So, I mean, th- the expectations should be that, hey, we're competing for a championship and and. Uh, just making the playoffs, like you said, is not enough. This is this is a team that. Uh, now is is considered one of the top teams in the NBA and and the fans are, the fans in Denver are, are particularly fickle uh, with the nuggets so if they don't live up to that you know it's it's going to come back down on them hard and how they handle that when they hit a slump or when they when they're not you know when a guy's not performing well and is getting getting beat up uh, around around town they how they respond to that, we've yet to see that, and, it, and it's going to be an interesting, an interesting storyline to watch. I'll, I'll definitely agree with you there. I, I think they can do it. I think they can handle it. I think this is a the, the culture around this team is good enough, and and they're they're all a bunch of mentally tough guys. Um, right. I think they can handle it, but it, it is you're right. It's going to be interesting to see.
0: He is Zach Mikosh at Zach Mikosh on Twitter. Excuse me. At Zach Mikosh on Twitter. Spelled how it sounds. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on to Nuggets Numbers, man
1: yeah no doubt i mean i'm gonna get zero followers because everybody's gonna be like mikosh m-e-e he said it was spelled out <laughs> sound <laughs> but... that's
0: that's mikosh with a with a z guys uh with... just, just wanted... <laughs>
1: ryan just come out come clean you have no idea how to spell my last name it's i just... <laughs> do i
0: looked it up and i am actually a really good speller beforehand so no worries on that one oh. Anyway, zach mikosh uh dude thanks for coming on
1: yeah man anytime always happy to be on nuggets numbers
0: that's gonna do it guys uh we'll come back in a couple of weeks with a a new episode hopefully with a new guest that was very fun and we will see you guys then